live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. It was National Signing Day this week. Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, Clark Lee, is now the head coach at Vanderbilt, but he's sticking around for a little longer. Brian Kelly goes off on the playoff committee and threatens maybe Notre Dame won't accept a bid if they're in the playoff. And, oh, yeah, we got a huge game today for the ACC championship game at 4 p.m. between Notre Dame and Clemson. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where U-Bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo, Notre Dame 10-0, ranked second in the country. Clemson 9-1, ranked third in the country. The Irish, of course, won the regular season meeting in a thriller in overtime. Trevor Lawrence is back today as are a slew of defensive standouts for the Tigers who did not play in that first matchup today. Potentially a playing game for the playoff, although one would think the Irish are in win or lose today. But maybe not if they lose, if you think the committee might punish Brian Kelly for his comments yesterday. Um, parents must be allowed to watch the playoff games in person. Kevin Downey and his family are feeling good after a battle with covid Kevin will be back next week. John Brock filling in again today. John, a ton surrounding this game. What are your initial thoughts heading into today? <laughs> I mean, I've got plenty of thoughts uh, around all the I said stuff initial. That's uh, uh, surrounding that, <laughs> yeah. I, that I'm looking forward to getting into. But, of course, the initial thoughts. First thing, when I woke up this morning and I started driving here, is this big game at 4 o'clock this afternoon, the rematch. Trevor Lawrence gets to play in this one. And, I mean, this is just going to be a great game. And I, that's all I can think about, and I'm assuming that's all both teams can think about. Yeah. Brian Kelly said yesterday, hey, if we could play right now on Friday, let's just play because everyone's ready to go after not playing for two weeks. All right. On tap on this morning's show, our spotlight interview is with Notre Dame on NBC analyst Tony Dungy. The Super Bowl champion coach of the Colts breaks down the matchup between Notre Dame and Clemson, including his thoughts on both Trevor Lawrence and Ian Book. Plus, Coach Dungy is an incredible man of faith. He shares his story and why he feels adoption is so important. That's later in the show. You won't want to miss it. We will talk about Clark Lee's departure, hear from Irish players, and what he's meant to them, and discuss who could be coming next for Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. Our poll question, what happens today? Does ND win by five or less? six or more does Clemson win by five or less or six or more head to twitter.com slash Ange DiCarlo to cast your vote results later on in the show this one's skewing Notre Dame as you would expect from our followers base so um that's the case right now but it's interesting about how many people are voting for Clemson six or more so that's getting a decent amount of votes too let's start with Brian Kelly going off on the uh playoff committee yesterday uh john we're gonna play this back momentarily but when you heard this what were, what were you thinking whoa uh my first thought was did he really just say that um <laughs> i mean i understand where he's coming cr from completely i mean it, all the points he made very valid and, and and i would expect the the head coach of any of these teams that get in to feel that way but I, I was surprised that he just went out and said it in front of everyone. And there's a reason it was running across ESPN and everyone yesterday. And it was all over the Internet because it was it's a very, uh, very controversial thing for him to say uh, going into this ACC game and, and going into the end of the season. All right. So maybe you heard about it, but didn't actually hear it. Kelly was asked us. He think both Notre Dame and Clemson should get into the playoff regardless of what happens today. And then Kelly said, Look, I don't want to really talk about that. My opinion doesn't matter. I don't want to create a soundbite. So he doesn't talk about that. 
And then he goes and creates about seven sound bites. And it could be six minutes worth of sound bites we play back. I trimmed it down. I edited it to give you the best two minutes and 22 seconds of him unloading on the committee. Right now, the playoff games are set for the Rose Bowl in California, Sugar Bowl in New Orleans on New Year's Day. As of now, it's unclear if parents will be allowed to attend the Rose Bowl game. Here's what Brian Kelly had to say about that. Because it is an absolute shame and a sham if parents can't be watching their kids play. My kids have been on campus here since June, okay? They haven't seen their families very much at all. They've had to fight through COVID. Some of them have had COVID. They haven't had to be, they can't be around their families for Christmas. I'm going to have them here for Christmas. And you're going to tell me we're going to have a playoff and maybe one side can have families and the other can't. Please. Somebody's got to wake up in that room and, and figure this out. Or we, you just might as well just call this the professional league. I'm so sick and tired of this playoff committee talking about having sites where you can't have parents at it and their, their families. It's ridiculous. Sorry. I'm not sure we'll play in the playoffs if parents can't be there, to be honest with you. Why would we play if, if you can't have the families at the game? The players make – they drive this. I don't drive it. I'm, I'm echoing their concerns, right? I, I'm, I'm not the guy out there, you know, making this up because it's not about my family. You know what I mean? Uh, it's about their family. So uh, I'm a voice for our team, and they're concerned. And so they're focused on the ACC championship. So that, that's where their focus is. They're, they're not going to be speaking about these things. But if, in fact, we're selected to be part of it, um, this will then be number one on their radar. Does this mean you would like to see the Rose Bowl removed as a possible playoff site because there is no clarity right now about attendance? <laughs> Absolutely. And look, uh, removed, can, can, why can't it be the Rose Bowl in Las Vegas? Or can it be the Rose Bowl in uh, another town? I mean, I, I, I get it. I mean, it's just, where's the flexibility for the student athlete is all I'm saying. You know, let's be fought. The one thing these kids have been is incredibly flexible. And then on the other side, we can't be flexible. We're worshiping the ashes of tradition. I mean, that can be the only reason. And that's about all you could say to prevent us from talking about Notre Dame Clemson to start our show on the day of the ACC championship game. Wow. And that wasn't even everything. I, I mean, it was the best two minutes and 22 seconds, but there was a lot more he said. Well, and I think, I mean, obviously what caught everyone's attention was when he said, well, we might opt out if we, <laughs> if we get chosen. And I mean, of course that's front page news, but I mean, it, it what he said uh, makes sense to me. I mean, I think he makes these points about how his players have been so flexible this year and how they've had to sacrifice so much, and they're they're here this next week in South Bend not going home to see family for Christmas. I mean, they are making a lot of changes in their lives, and that's a lot of people making those changes. Why can't this committee make a couple changes too? Well, John, you're the perfect example, right? You're a Notre Dame student, but you're local. So you're back at home. You're seeing your family. And I don't have to worry about, you know, traveling to, to these games and, and whatnot. Yeah, and these guys, meanwhile, they're giving up Christmas. Usually they get to go home for some point for four days. Like right now, I mean, obviously you wouldn't be playing in a game in a normal year. So they'd be home. They might be back 
before Christmas, but they get to celebrate Christmas maybe five days early, and then their families come down to the bowl site, and they're spending every night with them. They don't get to do that right now, and people are being idiots if they don't realize that a college kid sitting there, seeing their family is important. And I think what he said, when he he said, if we're going to keep it this way, you might as well call it professional. And I think that's a great point because these you got to keep in mind, these are college kids and they, they have been living with their family. Some of them are freshmen who just moved out from their yeah. families and this is their first year on their own. And so the least that the playoff committee could do is just let the families be in attendance at the game, switch up the, the Rose Bowl Here, to next year or something. Uh, they can no, figure no, that's it out. not going to happen. Because they can you, figure it out. Yeah, but the Peach Bowl is not giving up their money for next year because that's the – you know what I mean? That's, that's not happening. The bottom line, though, is the Rose Bowl has too much power. They always have. And it, it, think about this. You, the playoffs are on New Year's Day today because the Rose Bowl is one of the playoff games. You notice the years when the playoffs are on these annoying dates? What's the reason? It's because the Rose Bowl's on New Year's Day, and they aren't budging. And they the won't Ro- change it. And they won't change. Now, this is also a power play because it's whether or not you want to blame the Rose Bowl or you want to blame the state of California. Rose Bowl's trying to put pressure on the state of California to say, look, it's only 500 people. Let them in. California's got their COVID issues. I'm not trying to get into politics, but this is going to be – Playoff committee versus the Rose Bowl. Uh, let's say Brian Kelly versus the playoff committee versus the Rose Bowl versus the state of California. And it's who's going to blink first. And the bottom line is the student athlete shouldn't get screwed in it. And, and they're just getting stuck in the middle right now. And that's that's the problem is it seems that it, a, a lot of situations in the in the NCAA and the college football, the student athlete, get, it gets stuck in the middle, gets pushed off to the side, which just doesn't make sense to me because they're the ones going out there and playing. They're the ones that, that – Without them, there wouldn't be all this revenue and all this fighting over what not what to do and what not to do. I think that they deserve more of a say in it, and that's the problem, is that they are getting pushed to the side in all of this. I knew we were going to be way behind in the show, and we are fighting the clock already. 9-10 here, Notre Dame and Clemson coming up at 4 p.m. All right, here's the question for you. Obviously, if Notre Dame wins, we know there's nothing the playoff committee can do. They're in no matter what. There's no question. They're the two seed or maybe the one seed if Bama lost to Florida. Uh, which is not going to happen. But if they lose, did Brian Kelly just open the door for the committee to say, screw you, Notre Dame, you're out? No. The, the, the straight answer is no. Unless Notre Dame loses 75-14, to 14, there's no way they can so leave. So that, that, that Clemson-Georgia Tech score, it would be basically what <laughs> it would pretty happen? Pretty much. Yeah. Clemson would have to blow out Notre Dame like that. And even with that... Notre Dame might still be. I mean, Florida dropped one spot losing to LSU, who's horrific, and has like six players on their team. You know, they threw a shoe across the field. They dropped (laughs) one spot. So, I can't imagine, maybe Notre Dame drops to four to avoid the Notre Dame-Clemson third match. Which seems ridiculous but that Ohio State would be ahead of them, but even, I get no it. No matter what these comments are, yeah, there's no way, there's no one else that you could put in over that Notre Dame team with one loss to Clemson, a team that's in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I just can't see it. Now, the committee does magical things, but I, I cannot see one loss to Notre Dame being out of the playoff unless, like you said, they just get absolutely torched. Yeah. And if there's a significant injury, like... If they lose by 40 and Ian Book gets injured in the game, those things matter. You think about during men's basketball, those things playing a factor. They do matter to the playoff committee, too, because they they try to say, who are the four best teams? Oh, well, Ian Book With- got hurt. Maybe they're not one of the four best teams. So these things do make a difference. My question to you, then, is 
Clemson, if they lose, do they have any shot to be in the playoff at two losses? I think that they do. I think they absolutely do. Yeah, I don't think do. they don't. I think if it's a close game, if it's within a touchdown, I think Clemson still has a chance because, I, I mean, you got to just you compare them. You, does, do people want to see Texas A&M in there when they already got blown out by Alabama already this season? I mean, I think— Did they get blown out? Wasn't that fairly close? It was. I, I mean, it wasn't close. It wasn't. I guess I shouldn't have said blown out. They, I think it was fifty-two to twenty-four uh, was the score. I'm not positive on that. But Texas A&M and, and Bama, the, the, Texas A&M. Yeah, fifty-two twenty-four. Good call. You're right. That was a blowout. <laughs> That's a blowout. So I don't know that you want to see that team that already got blown out by one of these high-caliber teams. Clemson, I think people want to see against Bama. See if they have a shot. See if they could beat them. I just don't see it happening, but I can say this. If Northwestern were to take out Ohio State, see USC losing last night to Oregon. Um, if Texas A&M, there's no way A&M's losing at Tennessee today, okay? Which no. I don't even think that helps A&M, other than the fact that it says they played. Tennessee stinks. So that game doesn't even mean anything. Um, so I, I don't see Iowa State or Oklahoma getting in regardless. I would see a two-loss Clemson team getting in over the Big 12 champion two-loss team, in my opinion. Iowa State has a bad loss. They lost – who did they lose to? Louisiana? I know Louisiana's not bad, but um, but still, come on. I, I think there is I, I think it, there is a good point. I think A&M has a good shot at getting in. I'm not saying they don't. But I think, you know, Florida loses to Bama. Say they get completely blown out by Bama. Florida drops. That's AM's best win is against yeah, Florida. Yeah, that's a good point. And so if Florida's dropping that far, I mean, Clemson has an argument against them. Of course, I, I personally, my opinion is I would say the, the committee favors the SEC a little bit over that. So I think AM would have an advantage in that respect. And so there's, I think it's a toss of the coin. Depend If it's a close Notre Dame game and Florida gets obliterated, I think it's a toss of the coin which one gets in. I, I just don't see a one-loss test. Texas A&M not getting in over a two-loss Clemson. That's that's the thing. There's no way I see that happening. All right, we got to move on. Uh, let's hear from Ian Book on how big this game is versus the first one and the fact that, you know, the Irish are 10.5-point underdogs in this game despite winning the first game. Trevor Lawrence is back. Defensive players are back. And Ian Book trying to put that little chip back on the shoulder of the Irish. You know, we've had November 7th you know, circled on our schedule for a long time when we first were going to play Clemson. And not many people thought we'd win that game. Uh, we heard the outside noise and uh, we were able to get that win and, and prove ourselves right. And that's kind of what we do. It's all about the guys in our room. We're proving them right. You know, we don't really worry about everybody else, but there was a lot of doubters and it, it felt good to get that win and, and just believe in each other. This whole team believed that we could win before that game started. And, and that's what it's about. And I think this game would just be the same thing. Um, people are probably saying a lot of things about their players being gone and now they're back. There's no way. And it's just about what we do here at Notre Dame every day in the Goog and on this field and putting in work. It's about us. And we believe we can do it. And that's what matters. Obviously, the post game of the last game against Clemson was probably the feeling as good as it gets. Do you think uh, a win Saturday can can match that feeling? No doubt. No doubt. It's just uh, another game. We need three more games to get to our main goal. And uh, the one, you know, in the middle of the season, we said, I said the same thing. So uh, it'll feel it'll feel unbelievable. And um, obviously we won't have the fans to storm the field like that. But just uh, it's an unbelievable memory. And this one, you know, means even more to another step to our main goal. So it'll it'll feel just as good. 
Uh, by the way, nothing related to anything Notre Dame, but uh, breaking news, Brett Bielema, the new head coach at Illinois. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, what do you think about – I think Ian's putting that chip on his shoulder. By the way, they always say they don't listen to the outside noise. They don't listen. He, he, he read off every talking point. That is Tommy Reese and, and, and Brian Kelly going, here's what the media had to say this week, Ian. Like, <laughs> putting it right in front of him because Ian Book is at his best when he's annoyed with everybody else. Yes, and I think that was a little that, – that clip was a little bit of him trying to put that chip on the shoulder and, and – be in, and create that that being annoyed, you know that Michael ja- that Michael Jordan uh, uh, meme of uh, well, I took that personally. I think he's trying to take it personally and, and try and create that chip on the shoulder. But I don't think that that they're gonna quite they're not gonna be able to match the chip on the shoulder that Clemson has. Obviously, Clemson they they have more to lose with this game, and they they definitely have that extra edge in that respect that Ian Book's trying to create. The Irish got the monkey off their backs November 7th, okay? So that helps. They have the confidence. But that means Clemson's got the back against their wall. They're the ones that got to win. Like we said, we talked about earlier. Uh, Maybe there's a chance if you lose, but most likely not. So they know they have to. So who are you giving the advantage to here in this rematch today? I I think the advantage has to go with Clemson. I mean, Notre Dame in that first game, they opened up their playbook a little bit. They changed things up. They did design runs with Book. Uh, they did passes out of three tight end sets. They changed things up, and now Clemson has knows more what to prepare for. And on top of that, you add uh, a future number one draft pick in Trevor Lawrence back on the offense, get things going there, and, and you get defensive guys back in, in Skalski and Jones. I mean, I, I think the advantage has to go to Clemson. And then Notre Dame's offensive line, not as good exactly. as they were in the first game. You know, uh, Jarrett Patterson is out. Looks like Josh Lug will start at center. Good news is Tommy Kramer is back, but... Th- you know, the flow of that offensive line, Kramer didn't play much last game, didn't play the one before that. There's like, there's, they got some chemistry, you know, offensive lines about chemistry, and they don't have that right now in the offensive line. They're still really good, but against Clemson with guys back, that hurts. It, it, it definitely does. That That's the matchup that I think is going to create the biggest difference in this game is that a little bit mixed up offensive line that's still really good, but they're missing that leader in Patterson. They had to switch guys around. They've been moving around. They get Kramer back, who hasn't been playing that much, against this team that's getting Jones and Skalski back, two of the best linebackers uh, for that Clemson team. All right, we're behind, so we're going to skip the Dale and Hayes on uh, Trevor Lawrence soundbite. We all know how good Trevor Lawrence is, all right? But I do want to play uh, Dabo Sweeney talking about Ian Book because the comparison he makes – Pretty flattering comparison for Ian Book. Let's listen in on Dabble. Man, he's a special player. This kid is, he is a great player. I mean, I hate to compare him to Joe Montana, but, you know, I mean, it's kind of, you know, Joe Montana played at Notre Dame, and he just, he's just got a little bit of magic to him, you know. I mean, he is, he is a great player, uh, can do it all. He has a great command of, of their scheme. You know, he's obviously got good people around him. He's got an incredible offensive line. But, man, he, he's the heart and soul. He makes them go. Uh, he, he, he made some great throws. He made some – I mean, we had some, some really good coverage, and he made – he put some balls, you know, right where they needed to be. Um, uh, he's tough, you know. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's as good a runner as you're going to see. And, and, he, and he really – knows how to, um, you know, scramble. Um, and, and sometimes he's scrambling to, 
to go run for it, and then other times he's scrambling to open guys up because they're, they are as good at the scramble drill as anybody you're going to play. I mean, they do an unbelievable job, but just incredibly impressed with him. He's a problem. So we, we didn't do a very good job against him the first game. He really played. I mean, he was the difference in the game. He was, he was incredible. And obviously that that Montana comparison stands out in there. Uh, weren't quite expecting that, but definitely Book's been playing a lot better since the beginning with that Clemson game going on. I mean, just look at that UNC game, that scrambling, those that underarm pass. I mean, he's been playing fantastic. There's no question. Yeah, the, the one thing I'll say, Dabo knows exactly that Ian Book plays well when he has a chip on his shoulder. He's like, let me not give him the chip <laughs> on his shoulder. Let me give him high compliments so he's not mad at me. And he doesn't play as well as he did the first game. All right, did you know that Notre Dame Federal Credit Union is the largest Catholic credit union in the United States. Notre Dame FCU has served over 800 Catholic entities in over 25 dioceses nationwide. These include colleges, parishes, schools, food pantries, homeless shelters, and Catholic radio stations, including Redeemer Radio. Member owned not for profit banking is the way to go. You're a share of values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Still to come, Tony Dungy gives us his take on Ian Book and Trevor Lawrence. Plus, he lit up when I asked him about his faith. That conversation later on in our show. Up next, Clark Lee headed to Vanderbilt. His Notre Dame players, well, they lit up themselves, describing why they feel he'll be such a good head coach. Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays is back right after this. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Nobody listens to Angelo. I told you people that Clark Lee was going to go to Vanderbilt a month ago. He's going to Vanderbilt. New head coach at Vanderbilt, going back to his alma mater. He's a Nashville native. This is a no-brainer. The only people that could have screwed this up was Vanderbilt by not asking him to come back. The Notre Dame defense coordinator for the last three seasons, on the staff for the last four years, 38 years old. He will coach the Irish the rest of the season. Brian Kelly, uh when asked about it yesterday, it was like, guys, are you not listening? He's sticking around, okay? Bottom line, he's beloved by the Irish players. Here's what Kyle Hamilton and Dalen Hayes had to say about why Clark Lee will make a great head coach. Uh, I think Coach Lee is the definition of a player's coach. Um, he's kind of like your dad away from home, honestly. He's, uh, he's there for you emotionally um, like no other coach I've ever been around. Um, whatever you need, whenever you need it, um, whatever time he – in the building, at home, I think he's always available for you, and he's always his door is always open for you to come in and express any any anger, any happiness, anything, and he's open to that. And I feel like, as a player, um, that really helps me be comfortable in the building and around the coaches and stuff like that. So I think he's just he's great at creating an environment and a culture where everybody cares about each other, and I think he's going to do really well at Vanderbilt. When you when you're building culture, winning culture, and that trust that it ha that you have to have from your players into your coaches, I mean, you have to know that they care. Um, and that they're willing to, you know, go the extra mile for you. And that's, that's something that Coach Lee has done for us day in and day out, whether it be having one-on-one -on -one meetings, whether it be him doing sprinting in, in our pursuit drills with us, like, you know, just making it fun um, and making it a real family atmosphere uh, for our defense, you know, really gives guys an opportunity to really buy in and trust what Coach is saying, and trust that he cares about you off the field. Um, so I think that him bringing that culture to, to Vanderbilt will, 
will only strengthen that program. So. John Brock filling in again for Kevin Downey this week. Kevin will be back next week. John, you know, you're a former high school football player. Having that bond with a having a player's coach is a is a big deal. Yes, and what you heard, I think three or four times was that culture from those guys. I mean, that that's the kind of coach that you want leading a program, and he he just exemplifies that. These players just talk about how they can go to him at any time. He's there for them, and that. That not only it strengthens the culture and builds outside of the game, but having that bond, it makes it easier to coach, easier to get things done at practice. And Lee's also a great scheme guy and just straight up a good defensive coordinator and a good football mind. Add to that the culture, a great grab at head coach for Vanderbilt. All right, now the question is what happens at defensive coordinator? They have time to figure this out because, again, Clark, they're in the playoff hunt. Clark Lee is sticking around until uh, the playoffs are over for Notre Dame. Uh, do you promote Mike Elston? Do you promote Terry Joseph? Do you go after Marcus Freeman from Cincinnati? Would Mike Elko be interested in coming back from Texas A&M? Bob Diaco uh, is out at Purdue, the 2012 defensive coordinator. I don't see that happening unless he's maybe just a linebacker's coach. Ball State defensive coordinator Tyler Stockton, Notre Dame alum. They won last night. Um, Western Kentucky co-defensive coordinator is Maurice Crum, a Notre Dame alum. You got a lot of options. Senior analyst Nick Lazinski could get promoted to linebackers coach. Throwing a lot out there, but w- w- what do you think they should do here? <laughs> well, I think you can dream of, of Elko coming back. I mean, his contract <laughs> is up. I mean, you can dream. I don't see it being likely. I know I, I, Kelly likes to promote within. I think Elston's a, a go-to for that. I think he's a, a really likely candidate. Um, but I definitely think a, a guy like Tyler Stockton, I mean, up for the, the Broyles uh, Award for coaches. I mean, I think he's a, a good guy to bring in. I don't know that he, he would necessarily be defensive coordinator, but put him on the staff, possibly lead the him up coach, yeah. to, to being it in the future. Definitely, I think there's a, a lot of good candidates on the list. All right, of course, we're way behind. So real quick on recruiting. 26-player recruiting class, ranked eighth in the country. They did not lose any defensive players, despite Clark Lee announcing earlier in the week before signing day that he was going to Vanderbilt. Linebacker uh, Prince Kali stayed locked in. The Irish actually gained a defensive player yesterday with four-star defensive back Kerry G flipped from LSU to ND. ND. They also got a four-star running back as four-star Audric Estime switches from MSU to ND. 13 four-star players, four top 100 players. Quarterback Tyler Buckner. They also got Penn High's Ron Paulus, which is really neat, but Tyler Buckner has a chance to be the starting quarterback next year. He does, and I would say that's the, the thing you got to focus on most is I mean, book is out. There's a question mark at the quarterback position. You grab a, a top-tier guy like Buckner. You develop him. He's coming in early. You develop him in the spring and in the summer. He could be a really good starter next year. And then you got two great offensive linemen, Blake Fisher and Rocco Splint. Spindler, Rocco, Rocco's, that's got to be one of those uh, sponsorship deals once they're allowing (laughs) these sponsorships to happen. Just makes a lot of sense. Wide receiver Deion Colsey, another big name as well. Big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students are receiving practical college-level internship experience, helping out with our broadcasts of high school sports. Wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. They're helping us out last night as St. Joe defeated Riley. Battle of two Notre Dame commits in Blake Wesley and J.R. Kinesny. St. Joe winning that game. You want to watch a replay of that game, just go to Facebook.com slash 95.7 Sports. Notre Dame basketball playing Purdue 2 p.m. today, so that game going to end 
as the college football playoff game. That'll be Notre Dame versus Jaden Ivey. Remember, Jaden's mom, of course, is the head coach of the women's team. So a lot of things happening. A lot of things going on. I think you just got to sit down at the beginning of that basketball game and don't get up until dinner. (laughs) Pretty much. Up next, Notre Dame on NBC analyst Tony Dungy is a big fan of Clark Lee, too. Dungy is our special guest. He breaks down the matchup between Notre Dame and Clemson. We do a deep dive on the importance of faith and football. Focus on faith with Super Bowl champion Colts coach Tony Dungy is next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, John Brock with you here as we get you set for Notre Dame and Clemson at 4 p.m. in the ACC Championship game. Well, a new member of the NBC broadcast team for Notre Dame this year was Tony Dungy, and he is our special guest on Focus on Faith this week. Of course, led the Colts to a Super Bowl win over the Bears 14 years ago. First black head coach to ever win a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl as a player with the Steelers, enter the Pro Hall. Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2016. He's an extraordinary man of faith. We talk Notre Dame Clemson, Ian Book, Trevor Lawrence, Super Bowls, and how his Steelers coach Chuck Knoll played a massive role in Tony rediscovering his faith and shaping the rest of his life as a player, coach, and man. Here's Focus on Faith with Tony Dungy. Well, Coach, thank you very much for joining us. First of all, how much fun has it been for you this year to be broadcasting Notre Dame football with Mike Tirico? Uh, it's been great on a lot of counts. Uh, number one, it's really got me closer to college football, and, and that's been fantastic, learning the, uh, about the college game and everything that goes on. Uh, I hadn't spent a lot of time at Notre Dame, and that's been awesome, too, getting to know some of their players and coaches and the Notre Dame fans. I, I found out that once you start broadcasting, you become part of the family, so uh, that, that feels pretty good. And then to have them have such a special year, it's been great. And, and I have to say, Mike Tirico is just fantastic. He's the best. I'm still learning the, the broadcasting element of things, and he's helped me so much. So uh, it's been great in a lot of ways. And then in particular, great year, but you also got to be a part of one of the greatest college football games that there ever will be in the regular season, especially between Notre Dame and Clemson. What was it like uh, to be – you know the co-voice of that game it's funny mike and i were talking before the game and you know how notre dame uh uh they they do a great job in the stadium of presenting all kinds of highlights and things before the game so we're listening to all these iconic calls Mm -hmm. from the past 40 or 50 years and it's the great broadcasters of all time you know brent musburger and keith jackson and i remember saying to mike 20 years from now, people are going to be listening and saying, that was us calling this. And it just was kind of a surreal atmosphere. The only thing missing it would have been great with 70,000 fans there. Right. Uh, that that I felt badly that more people didn't get to experience it live because it was such a thrill watching it. Remember the back and forth and big plays here and there and just saying, wow, this has to be fun watching it on TV, unless you're rooting for one of these teams. And then you're kind of dying with every every player that goes. Yeah. 
The legendary Tony Dungy, Super Bowl champion, coach for the Indianapolis Colts, now broadcaster for NBC, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. This is our Focus on Faith interview. Coach, you've always been known as a sports figure with an incredible faith. Did that? Where did that start? Was that you know, instilled in you as a child from your parents? Where, where did that start and how did it grow for you as you grew older? It really did start with my mom and dad. Uh, I, I guess I could go back even further than that. My grandfather, my, my dad's father, was a, a Baptist minister. And he had two sons who were also ministers. So I had a grandfather and two uncles. Uh, we were in church a lot. My mom taught Sunday school class. So on Thursdays, she would practice with us. She'd do the lesson. And if it made a, a good reaction with us, then she felt good about it for Sunday. So I learned all the biblical stories. I learned about Christ when I was very young. But like so many boys, I got into sports and uh, both my parents were teachers. So going to class and getting good grades was what they wanted me to do. Uh, being in, in athletics was what I wanted to do. So Jesus kind of took a, a back seat for a while, uh, and all the way through, I would say, through high school and college. I was uh, what you would say maybe a good person, but my faith wasn't out front. And then uh, I ended up having the, the opportunity to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Chuck Noll was the coach there. They're in the middle of that four Super Bowl run, and uh, I got there, and Coach Knowles says, don't make football your whole life. You've got to broaden your horizons. Think about what you're going to do after you get finished playing. And then we just had a great group of Christian athletes on that team. Uh, Donnie Shell became my roommate, one of the strongest Christians I've ever been around. John Stallworth, Mel Blunt, player after player after player got me involved in the Bible studies and in the chapel service and reading. And that's when I really started growing as a Christian when I was 21 years old. Did you use those lessons from Coach Knoll then when you became a coach? Absolutely. Uh, I can remember my first talk ever to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when I took over in 1996. And I basically said the same thing Coach Knoll said. Hey, man, we're here to win a Super Bowl. I'm here to help you be the best player you can be. But if that's all you focus on, if that's your entire life, you're going to leave this game of football at one point and you're going to leave it disappointed. So I want to help you uh, be a better person. I want to help you grow as a man. I want to help you make Tampa a better place to live. And fortunately, we had a lot of guys on that team who bought into that. And some of those young men just special, you know, work done. Uh, homes for homeless, I mean, for single moms and Derek Brooks uh, taking a group of uh, boys and girls club kids and watching them go all the way through middle school and high school and seeing them go on to college and being their mentors. Uh, I, I, I was just proud of our guys who, who really took that on and said, you know what, we want to be more than just Super Bowl winners. We want to be more than just football players. Uh, life is more important than that. And you've been blessed with this platform as a player and as a coach. Does that come with a responsibility in your mind, Coach, to, to spread that faith and, and spread that love of God? I believe it, it really does. And I, as you say, blessed is the right word. Uh, not very many people get to be coaches in the NFL. Not very many people get to be head coaches. And I had that opportunity for 13 years, and it was a great life. But it also allowed me to do some things and say some things and be part of it. I, I could have national press conferences when, when I could say what was on my mind. 
and I'm still in that position now uh, as a Notre Dame broadcaster, as an NBC broadcaster, when people talk this summer about, hey, what's going on in our country? What's going on with social injustice? Uh, what's going on with this pandemic? And I can say, hey, the Lord's trying to get our attention and I, I've got an audience. And, and so I, I do think that comes with a responsibility. And then, you know, you and your wife have raised 10 kids, seven of which you've adopted. Take a, tell us why adoption was so important to, to you and your wife. You know, my wife uh, comes from a, a large family. Her parents adopted children. Uh, they fostered children. And so it was always something she wanted to do. Uh, we got down to Tampa. Uh, as I mentioned, 1996, I'm the head coach. I'm in my 40s. We've got three older kids. And uh, one of our assistant coaches wanted to adopt. So we had to fill out a reference form for him and meet with the uh, lady at the adoption agency. She was doing a background check on, on Coach Marciano. And we got to talking to her. And she told us that they actually had a shortage of adoptive parents in Tampa at that time. That was 2000. And she said, especially for African-American children. She said she worked in an agency where they counsel women not to have abortions and they promised them that if they carried their babies to term they would find christian homes for them and she said right now we have a shortage we've got a backlog of african-american babies and i was shocked at that time because all you hear right. is well it takes years and people are going overseas to adopt and i said are you serious and she said yes right here in tampa we need adoptive parents and so my wife and I, you know, very strongly pro-life, and my wife had done a lot of work at, at crisis, crisis pregnancy centers and things like that. And we're saying, you mean to tell me that women are making that choice to have their babies and go forward with life, and we're not providing homes for them? And she said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. So that that perked our consciousness and we ended up adopting a little boy in 2000 he was one day old when we got him and he was so special and so many things happened in his life we just knew that it was god that put it together so we came back to her a year later and said we're ready to do it again and then two years later we said <laughs> we're ready to do it again so now i'm almost in my 50s we've got six kids and i'm thinking we're we're ready to go and that's enough I, as the Lord does it, I get moved up to Indianapolis and I, I take the head coaching job with the Colts. One of our boys is in middle school playing football and my wife is sitting just watching a game next to a gentleman that has a son playing. And at halftime, she talked and said, what, what do you do? You know, my husband coaches. That's why we're here. He said, well, I'm an adoption attorney. <laughs> and lo and behold, uh, God put us with another group in Indianapolis. We were able to adopt more boys up there. And uh, it just one thing led to another. And now we have uh, a house full of kids still. I'm in my 60s now. And we've got <laughs> it, so. Tony Dungy, our guest here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Coach, you mentioned being in Indianapolis with the Colts. Obviously, we have plenty of Colts fans listening. We also have probably plenty of Bears fans listening. Uh, take us back to that <laughs> that wonderful evening back uh, 13 years ago when you guys won the Super Bowl and how, how special that was for you. You know, that was a, a great moment, too. And um, it just there were a lot of fibers to that story. I uh, started out in, in Tampa 
And I really thought the Lord had taken my wife and I there. That was the place we were going to be. We were there six years. It was beautiful. I ended up getting fired uh, because we didn't win enough games or didn't go far enough in the playoffs. But it was all part of God's plan. And we end up in Indianapolis and we're kind of inching away, getting to, to the, towards the Super Bowl, can't quite get there, can't beat the Patriots. And after six years, we finally do. And, and we're there. And not only are we there, but we're playing against the Bears and Lovey Smith. And Lovey started on my first staff in Tampa. We were in uh, coaches Bible studies together. We had the same thoughts of how to build a team and build men. And that was a special part of that week uh, for me as well. A lot of times you'll have this animosity back and forth. I have the teams chirping at each other, but that week it was nothing but respect and doing things the right way. And so many people talking about the way the bears were built and the way we were built. And we got to point people to the Lord. In fact, Lovey and I got to do a piece that ended up in USA Today and it was called Beyond the Ultimate. And if you think the Super Bowl is the ultimate, we can talk to you about what's beyond that and faith and eternal life. And so that was that was neat. And then add to the fact that we were the two first two African-American coaches to get there and kind of breaking down that barrier. So after the game, we, we won and we're on the victory podium and Jim Nance from CBS asked me about being the first African-American head coach to win. And I was able to say, Jim, it is fantastic. Love and I were proud to represent African-American coaches, but it's even more special. Two Christian coaches, the way we coach and giving honor to the Lord and letting people see that you could be a Christian and get to the highest level of NFL football uh, and still do it the Lord's way. So it was a really, really special night. All right, let's talk uh, some Notre Dame football. Obviously, it's been a, a special season, as you mentioned earlier. And and speaking of championships, Irish fans have hopes of, of potentially winning a national championship this year. W- what has impressed you most about this year's Notre Dame football team as you've watched them? I think I've really enjoyed the unity that this team has, the togetherness, and just the, the will to battle, battle through pandemic issues and, and COVID issues injuries, uh, whatever has has taken place, uh, they haven't let anything get in their way. And I I guess me being a defensive coach, I've really loved watching this defense evolve. A lot of really great individual players who've come together as a unit. And in the the games where they've had to step up, uh, make those game-changing plays, they've been able to do it. So uh, I'm really a big fan of Clark Lee, and I'm, I'm happy in a way that he's going to get to move on and go to Vanderbilt because I think he is going to take the same thing that we're talking about. He's going to develop young men into quality people as well as quality players. But I'm sad that Notre Dame's going to be losing a great defensive coach. What does it say about his character, though, that he is sticking around? He's like, no, I'm still coaching. They get the national championship. I'm going to be there. And because, well, quite frankly, Brian Kelly didn't stick around at Cincinnati for their bowl game. I mean, I know it was a national championship. But what does it say about Clark Lee, and, and how can that project to him being a great head coach? His, his feeling for his players is very special. And they're on a mission. They're on a journey. And I knew that he was not going to leave them before the journey is over. Uh, that's just who, who he is. Uh, one of the things that really impressed me, Mike Tirico, the very first broadcast we did, he, Mike took me around on a walk around campus and showed me different things. And we came back to the broadcast booth and he's showing me where to set up. And as we were there, 
Coach Lee is coming in with about 40 players into the middle of the field, and they get in a circle and they pray. And he told me that they do that every single week because he wants them to put first things first. And that's when I said, wow, that, that's the kind of coach you want your son playing for. And uh, it just it, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people would want Coach Lee, and it really doesn't surprise me that he would say, yes, I'm going to Vanderbilt, but I'm not going until our journey is finished here. And then congratulations, Clark. You get the job at Vanderbilt. You know, you're sticking around, and now you get to face Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> um, yes, what a, what a, a consolation prize. Right? <laughs> yeah. what, uh, what, how much bigger of a challenge do you feel like this will be for Notre Dame's defense with, with Trevor Lawrence playing this time around? You know, I don't think it's going to be that much different, really. Trevor Lawrence is a great player, but DJ Uyangalale, uh played fantastic that night. And that, that Clemson team had a lot of confidence in him. There wasn't much in their offense that they said, hey, we can't do this because Trevor's not here. We saw them pull out the whole arsenal. They scored 40 points. So I, I think we saw nearly the best of what Clemson can be. Now, the difference is in a, a championship game like this, obviously the experience of Trevor Lawrence, he's not going to wilt under pressure. He's going to maybe be able to take them to a different level. But I think Notre Dame will be ready schematically for anything that Clemson can can bring to them. On the other side of the ball, Ian Book has taken his game to a new level, and it started with that final drive against Clemson, really, and, and it hasn't stopped. Are you surprised, maybe, at the way he kind of – it seems like he flipped a switch, and it hasn't turned off. I, I think what has happened with Ian Book, he has realized that, uh, yeah, I'm the leader of this team, and I'm not just the conductor. Yeah, I, I, My job is to get the ball to the playmakers and do the right thing. But there are going to be times when to win the game, I'm going to have to step forward. And I think that's what he's realized since that drive at Clemson. Hey, I, I fumbled the ball going in, and I feel like I owe my team something. And I just might have to make some special plays on this last drive to win it. And he did that. And I think that had told him, now when we get into big moments, uh, this team is counting on me. I need to deliver. And he's, he's been fantastic. I, I have to say this. I, I really haven't been surprised because watching the tape from last year and watching him early in the season, I saw that ability to do that. And I just think Ian's nature is I want to help everybody else be better. I want to make sure this guy gets the ball. I want to make sure our runners get the ball. I want to do what I'm supposed to do as the quarterback. And I think Tommy Reese and Coach Kelly have had to say, all that's good, Ian, but there's times when we need you to do it and we expect you to do it. And, uh, and that, that's where he is now. He believes that if they need a play, he can make it. All right, I'll put you on the spot, Coach. What do you think happens in this one? What's your prediction of, uh, of how Notre Dame Clemson Part 2 goes? I, I think it's going to be a similar type of game. These offenses are fantastic. They can make big plays. I think Notre Dame has a better defense than Clemson does. Now, Clemson was missing, I think, four of their defensive regulars in that first game. If they're back, that will that will help them tremendously. I think it might be a little lower scoring. It might not be a 40-point game on either side. But I said it that night. I said, these teams play 10 times. One team's going to win six, and the other team's going to win four, or one team's going to win five. They're that evenly matched. So I'm hoping this isn't the, the time that Clemson flips it over and they win it by three points. It could happen that way. It, th these teams are so evenly matched. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another overtime game. Coach, thank you very much.
All righty. Great to be with you. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in these next few weeks. <laughs> Sounds good. The great Tony Dungy joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Thanks to him. John, what were your uh, thoughts on what Coach had to say? Well, I'll keep it short here. I know we're a little <laughs> bit behind. But, I, I mean, I grew up here in Indiana, and, and I started watching football right at the time that Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy were winning that Super Bowl with the Colts. And watching that is not only a great football mind in Tony Dungy, but also just a great role model to grow up watching in the football world. Someone who just leads a life the right way. They, they're succeeding on the field, and that's obviously led by their faith and their integrity on and off the field. And so just love hearing all of his insights, and then, of course, love hearing all of his insights uh, in life, but also uh, watching and, and for me, mostly rewatching Notre Dame games this season, uh, getting to hear him uh, commentate on those and just like having him around and, and really some great things. Always listen to Tony Dungy. Great guy. All right. Thanks again to Coach Dungy. Coming, down, coming up, it's our game day sprint as we get you set for Notre Dame and Clemson in the ACC Championship. You're listening to Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio. Are you feeling sandwiched between caring for aging parents while still raising children? If so, join me, Chris Godfrey, every Monday afternoon at 12.30 for my new show, The Sandwich Generation. Every week I'll have conversations with experts and friends on this important calling. Being sandwiched is a great opportunity for growing on our friendship with God, so tune in for good advice and inspiration every Monday afternoon at 12.30 or listen anytime at RedeemerRadio.com sandwich. Notre Dame and Clemson, 4 p.m. kickoff, ACC championship game this afternoon. Dabo Sweeney said Clemson got its butt kicked in the trenches. He said that on Catholic Radio. His butt kicked in the trenches in the first meeting in November. Notre Dame down Jared Patterson. Tommy Kramer is back. Josh Lugg at center. Clemson has players back on defense. Here's what Robert Hainsey, Irish captain and offensive lineman, had to say on looking to win the battle in the trenches yet again. They had good players the first game. They have good players this game. They're getting a couple of guys back, you know, 47-6. And on the offense side, they're getting a few guys too, but at 13. But at the end of the day, I mean, like you said, it's 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 a game of – it's a game of – it's a front seven game, these kind of games. You know, we get two teams, similar styles, both good teams. You have – we have to win that battle up front. You, it's it's a must. And we did a great job the first game, and we are looking to see what we can do better, and that's what we've been focusing on, how much better can we do going into this next game. Getting guys back like James Skalski, Mike Jones, Tyler Davis. I mean, that's a big difference. It's huge, and I think that's obviously what you have to focus on this game. I mean, Skalski, he was their leader on that defense. I mean, last season he had 90 tackles, 45 solo. He's a great player. He's the leader on that defense, and this year he's you know been in and out a little bit, uh, but he's going to be huge in stopping that run game that Notre Dame's been building and so good at. And then, of course, you get Jones back, who, who he also mentioned there, number six. And, and he's a, a more versatile linebacker who can cover that pass game and also get in there on that run game. So huge for Clemson to get those guys back. Trevor Lawrence back today. Kevin Downey had said uh, a couple weeks ago, he last month, that he thought it was a two-touchdown difference between Lawrence and Uliangalale. Maybe it is. I don't know. I, I definitely would say it's at least a one-touchdown difference, if not two. I mean, that 
he's a number one draft pick for a reason. Yeah. He's got the knowledge and the skill, and he definitely is a different vibe with him in the game. Travis Etienne only had 28 yards rushing in the first game. I think Lawrence being back is going to allow uh, Etienne to get over 100 yards rushing in this one. All right, our poll question today was, what happens today? Notre Dame win by five or less. Notre Dame win by six or more. Clemson wins by five or less. Clemson wins by six or more. 58% picked Notre Dame to win. Notre Dame wins by five or less, one out with 39%. 28% says Clemson will win by six or more. Jimmy Arnett wrote, uh, says hard to beat a quality team twice in a season. They'll have the most, and they'll have most of their weapons back. Mister Dave wrote, "I know the Irish got them in November, but I just struggled to trust Kelly-led teams in these huge games." What is he one in ten? Yeah, he's one and zero in twenty twenty though. Mister <laughs> Dave, come on now, uh, John. What's your prediction on what happens in this one? Uh, I think uh, I think Clemson's going to edge it out. As much as I hate to say that, I think it's going to be a close, hard-fought one. And I was debating whether Notre Dame's going to be able to get to the end zone two or three times. But I think in the end, it's going to be Clemson 35, Notre Dame 27. We'll let our board operator, Ilya Glassman, give a vote, too. Go ahead, Ilya. What do you got? I'm going Clemson 30, Notre Dame 34. I think Ian Book is going to leave a game-winning drive at the end. He's going to show why he might go down as the best quarterback in Notre Dame history. All right. That's what – whoa, whoa. That's a big statement. Uh, Notre Dame we, – we give him five seconds. He makes a big statement. I'm going uh, Clemson 30, Notre Dame 24. We got Ilian in there to get the Notre Dame vote in as well. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Ilya Glasman. For John Brock, I'm Ons DiCarlo. Notre Dame, Clemson, 4 p.m. kickoff. We'll be back with you next Saturday morning here on Redeemer Radio. We hope you and your family have a wonderful Christmas next week. We close our show the same way the Irish traditionally close their pregame in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary, Our Lady, may we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Looking for a fresh way to start your day? Need a little pick-me-up for your faith in the morning? We've got you covered with the Daily Refill. Join me, Andrea Serrani, weekday mornings from 7 to 8 for the best Catholic podcast, stories of faith from around the world and right here in our own community, plus some fun and games to help us start our days with faith and joy. Tune in weekdays at 7 for the Daily Refill on Redeemer Radio and in the Redeemer Radio app.